Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and happy new year, and welcome to the, let me repeat, the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank. Hello, listener. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and you can see these awesome jawlines on YouTube. That's right. We release new episodes each and every Friday, so you can start your weekend with a healthy dose of rock and roll. Yeah, so it's a new year, and this is our season two, Mark, so yay, we made it, yay. So if you're hearing us for the first time, listen, we review records track by track, baby. We have lots of musical discussions. We do spotlight episodes, which might even include some mysteries. Uh, we <laughs> Now we only scratched the surface, Mark, and we're just getting warmed up, my man. Yeah, be sure to check out our verse series where we openly mock Pearl Jam once a month. Wait a minute. Ah. Uh... No, that's right. Our verse series is where we pit uh, either two bands or albums or songs or, or small children against each other and make them duke it out for total stereo What a bellow. What a bellow, man. <laughs> Be sure to check us out on Instagram and we have a Facebook group and hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and of course Mark's random nonsense. Now if you have a record you want us to check out, just drop a comment wherever you find us while you're at it. Like and subscribe and review and rate us. And so I say this for the first time this year, Mark, how are you, my man? Frankie, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for our episode tonight. And uh, hey, you know, the internet didn't cancel us, so that's pretty rad. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll take yeah. it. I'll, I'll take it, bro. And it's 2021. I'm good, bro. I'm good. It's 2021. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean uh, <laughs> that all that's happened uh, and is happening from 2020 disappears. No, 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 no. But we can get what we can guarantee, at least what me and Mark can guarantee for you, is more album reviews, more engaging musical talk, and more Bon Jovi bashing. That's for sure. That's right. And don't forget... This show is as much about uh, what you want to listen to as much as it's about what, what we want to listen to. So uh, take those album recommendations and just slide them into our DMs like the freak you are. <laughs> we'll, be, uh, s- <laughs> we'll be sliding our top 10 list in after the album review this week. So make sure you stick around for it. And Frankie, yeah, who is this week's relatively unknown artist? Oh, pretty unknown. Absolutely. So he goes by Sir James Paul McCartney. Yup, absolutely. Paul McCartney. He released his 18th studio album entitled McCartney 3 a few weeks ago. Now, this is the third in his series, Mark, of albums where he plays all the instruments and produces them. Uh, the first McCartney album was actually in 1970 and his second was in 1980. So it's been a while. In fact, 40 years, my entire life since we've had another one of these <laughs> in this series. Um, so when I heard he was releasing another record, I didn't know what to think. You know, like Bob Dylan, he's one of the last kind of surviving musical treasures with regards to songwriting. Uh, but not everything Sir Paul uh, has put out, especially lately, uh, for me, has been worthy of praise. Um, in fact, the last good record that I thought he put out was Chaos and Creation in the Backyard, and that's in 2000. Five. Uh, I didn't like the last few records. I felt that they were super overproduced. And McCartney did this Tony Bennett thing where he went hip and he went cool. Uh, producers Mark uh, Bronson and Ryan Tedder uh, from One Republic produced some of those records. Uh, he also did a song with Rihanna and Kanye West. Oh. And he even did word plays on his song, Fuck You. 
Uh, and he's hanging out with Taylor Swift. Uh, my, my point is that I had no idea what this would sound like. And I just naturally thought that it wasn't going to be good. Uh, but I, I like the record and we'll get into that soon, Mark. Um, what say you with regards to the album? You know, I think we need to address and we'll tackle this later um, is that um, Frank here is, is a, a much bigger Paul McCartney fan than I am. Whereas, you know, when you break up Beatles fans, there are, you know, what, what do they say? Rock and roll fans, you're either an Elvis fan or a Beatles fan. And then when you break down Beatles fans, you're either a Paul guy or a John guy. And I'm a John guy. Yeah. And it's interesting what makes people tend to favor one over another, but I just want to go on the record. I want to go on the check out this record and say that they're both equally amazing oh for sure uh so that said it's not as um my my knowledge uh of paul mccartney's solo catalog uh isn't quite as up to par as as frank's would be um i am pretty comfortable with it my mom was in the same camp as frank here on the the paul mccartney side so there was a lot of uh beatles and wings and solo stuff when we were growing up uh although it was primarily beatles but uh, it all came out. All that to say, I had I had very little uh, in the way of expectations for this record and was kind of pleasantly surprised by it because I hadn't made my mind up about it, what it, what it should or shouldn't be. Um, Paul is not only playing all the instruments, but he's making some, some really bold choices um, of what to do with them. And I, I think this record is probably better for it. it. It's a cool record. I have some criticisms of it, um, but I really just wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah, same here. And, and I definitely have some some critiques too. And let's, you know, let's get right into it. Let's dive into it track by track. Mark, take the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, long-tailed winter bird, right? The name alone, you know this song's going to suck. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Frank, in my head, Paul McCartney, wherever he is right now, is holding a guitar or sitting at a piano and just and just creating and daydreaming and sketching in a notebook, and he's he's you know he's dreaming up these big sound soundscapes and um, you know these pretty little tales and this song is is kind of evidence of that like you know that I'm right all the time. Um, he does an amazing job of drawing the listener into a bit of a rabbit hole and taking you for this fun little trip. He really just lulls the listener in. Right, um, this song stylistically gets repeated in the album both the acoustic guitar intro and and later on at the end of the album where he he revisits it as part of the closing of it um but it really hides everything else that's going on on this record and i thought it was a really great way um to start the record you know the, the drums and the bass um when they come in late in the song have just this lavish writ lavish richness to them uh, that I love. And he he actually breaks in like this weird flute uh, and does some crazy accent notes there towards the back, which I thought was really cool because it it starts off as this acoustic thing and it really grows into its own uh, its own bird, if you will. So a really cool song. And like I said, great way to open the record for sure. Yeah. And I, and I love the description there. And and I like how well this opens up the record. And I like how few the lyrics are. And and to me, the music, uh, it's almost as if the, the musical arrangements acting like the lyrics. I mean, it's basically an instrumental where he's taking the, the E minor and just utilizing the pentatonic scale, which I really like that feel that it creates uh, those higher notes really make me feel like the bird is singing or it's you know in the head or you know thinking that uh, these these few lyrics need to be sung or whatever the case is it was a pleasant surprise for me for the intro of the album and i definitely agree with you on that lavish feel 
uh, for sure. Uh, track two, we get Find My Way. I, I feel like this song is a great example of the classic style pop songs that McCartney is known for, but in a, in a modern way. Uh, you have these uh, signature hopeful spirits and that it's offering hope to someone who in times of need feels that they need it. Uh, Paul's own, always done a great job with this message. You can tell the voice is worn, uh, but listen, Based on his age, that's to be expected. And considering he's playing everything, you know, it didn't bother me. What, what about you with this song, Mark? Yeah, I'm really happy you said that because um, I am not loving this falsetto thing he's doing with his voice here. Um, that said, yes, this this you described it perfectly. This is a classic uh, pop song master making a modern pop masterpiece. It's beautiful. I just don't care for the way he sings it. Um, the couplet verses are just super clean and simple and hit and really in that Paul McCartney signature style while feeling uh, beautifully fresh. These don't feel like rehashed lyrics. These don't feel like something he pulled out of an old notebook. It feels really new. Um, I love that everything um, but the guitars and drums are played just a little too loud and, and become distorted a little bit, which adds just a whole nother layer of, of thoughtfulness as for um, response you know, to his hopeful words you know that you get that that really hopefulness and we get this kind of the setting of the real world right with this upbeat tempo and these slightly distorted over um over modulated guitars and, and drums and all these backgrounds it's really kind of a very beautiful way to balance those two worlds um you know and, and to to balance uh those thoughtful lyrics with it um you know i thought it was pretty cool um Definitely not something I would listen to, um, right. as it, it is. It is kind of like it kind of geared classically as a pop song. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like the way he's structured it and put it together. To really, I think it's a much smarter song than it appears. Cool. Yeah. So, um, track three is "Pretty Boys." This song was written uh, directly about me and Frank. Um, you know, I love the the flow of this song. It just, um, you know, starting with that guitar and his voice and playing the role of the, the photographer as he releases his subject into their world of, of vanity and excess. Um, yet he's not overcomplicating any of it, right? The lyrics are simple. The guitars are simple. Um, really well done. There's a lot of cool parts building around his voice as he sings, um, or excuse me, as the song progresses. But he manages to keep it glued in with his voice and the song seemingly straightforward rhythm, really kind of interesting song really cute and it's interesting that he's got this little story to tell <laughs> all right so um paul's always played his instruments with such precision and on these acoustic laden verses we see that here i'm sure listen after 60 plus years of being an object for photography paul is speaking of that experience here i like the place of this song here uh as well especially after hearing the last um two tracks move on to track four women and wives uh written after reading a biography of the legendary blues singer lead belly uh so something to note here on lead belly it's it's just crazy um it's unrelated but he was born in 1888 i mean just think about that for one second that's just crazy to talk about someone who was born in that year just anyway, in short, lots of drama in his personal life, marrying his first wife at 17 and on the road, used with eight to 10 women a night. Allegedly. I mean, physically, how's that possible? Right. Um, so maybe not directed to him per se, uh, but just the overall message that we are role models for our children and our choices affect their future choices, etc. Uh, it's a cool tune. I like it. What about you, Mark? 
Yeah, I, I dug this song. This song reminds me a lot of the work that, that Johnny Cash and Rick Rubin did on the American Recording Sessions. Oh, yeah. Um, Paul really pulls this off well, uh, but it does feel a bit like something left over from before mentioning the from the before mentioned record it, it sounds like that fucking johnny cash album is what i'm saying um <laughs> it's seemingly about the importance uh of cautionary tales uh but delivered in a genuine uh emotion and and it sounds amazing look this song sounds cool as shit it just sounds like he was doing a song from that johnny cash record to me um but i don't fault him for it i, I really enjoyed that song sure uh up next is uh lavatory lil this is a song about a girl hanging out in the bathroom. Oh. Uh, I'm loving this rock number. Um, what I love is knowing that this is all Paul, but it, it truly sounds like four or five guys really jamming and delivering this classic McCartney rock and roll number. Um, it's not a stretch to think that Laboratory Lil uh, knows a thing or two about uh, digging a hole for the rain to get in, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I really like the song. It's really cool. We have a Jeff Lynn kind of style guitar riff here played on a telly, uh, telecaster that his wife got from. And you could totally hear that that it's a telly, which is cool. Uh, while we'll never know the full story, it's about someone Paul had a run in with and took that character and kind of expanded on it. Uh, the vocals are also a first take. So for his age, it's damn impressive, man. Absolutely mm-hmm. impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, track six, deep, deep feeling. Ah, the long track of the album, uh, New Year. But same thoughts about long tracks, at least for me. Uh, although I, I did, you know, clock a track once I was working on that that lasted about six minutes. Uh, this is over eight. Uh, in the middle of the album, I get it. Um, and again, I'm, I'm more than impressed that he's doing it. I, I just didn't care for this particular tune. What, what about you, Mark? This is a cool track. Uh, to me, it sounds like uh, my man Elvis Costello, very Ooh. Elvis Costello uh, inspired here. And, and as uh, Frank and I will get into, they are friends. They're great collaborators. Yes. Um, it's just, you know, it's got that that staccato and cutting feeling that that Elvis Costello is really phenomenal at portraying. Um, that said, it's uh, easily six minutes longer than it needs to be. Uh, don't get me wrong. The, the sound is awesome, but it's far longer than it needs to be. That right. said, I... I do like the groove of it for about two and a half minutes. Uh, <laughs> Mark gonna, likes groove. We do. Um, we're going to slide into track number seven, slide in. Uh, you know, the intro for the song is super cool. Uh, yeah. I love that he is uh, pushing all the instruments into overdrive, or excuse me, into overdriven fuzziness uh, and comes right in with this big one and two bump, bump, and uh, just sets up the song for this really cool, groove it, this album's got a lot of groove to it uh, that said uh i kind of hate these lyrics uh the nonsensical stuff about dragonflies aside he does put the the word trying at the end of a couplet after rhyming a word and it, it, it just it, it throws off the way he delivers it and it, I, I i can't believe he let this go on the album it, it really just throws me off uh it's a cool tune but like i said lyrically it, it's a total miss this doesn't feel like a paul mccartney number so I didn't care about Deep Deep Feeling, but I do care about the song Sliding. And uh, the rift is actually taken from a band, Mark, that you might have known. Oh. Uh, they're called Failure by Design. Oh, I've heard um, of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. That was our first band. And and I think one of our songs uh, had, had a kind of similar riff. But anyway, uh, this track to me is a cool modern indie song and has atmospheric feel that makes you feel like 
you know, you're sliding through the air, right? Uh, Paul's guitar, though, playing to me it, it is underrated. Uh, we all know he plays the bass. We all know he plays the piano. Um, but but he could also play that guitar and rock out with his signature style. And that's what we get here. Um, it's actually my favorite track on the album. So, um, Ooh, hard disagree. No. Yeah. Ooh. But go on. Dude. Did your did you make your way to your favorite yet or? Oh yeah, we passed it. <laughs> that was deep, deep feeling, right? No. Oh, lavatory, lavatory, Lil. It's honestly, it's probably women and wives. I'm just going up the list now. Yeah, it, it's probably find my way or on it or or Winterbird. Oh, okay. I know that seems kind of like, uh, but like, oh, I didn't. No, uh, from here. We're, we're going to get into it. This album's about to take a hard left-hand turn into a trash can. For me. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Paul McCartney, I love you. You are my fucking hero. The back end of this album's trash with the exception of one song. Go there ahead. you go. There you go. So we get the kiss of Venus uh, again on Paul's playing. His acoustic sounds have uh, always been intriguing uh, to me as he just uses his thumb and his index finger. Uh, I like the scale little fills we get to even get more melody. Uh, great and bright imagery here is if you're kind of looking at a painting and, and this is the soundtrack for it. Uh, the landscapes and the nature of the bright scenic canvas. I could just picture that all here. So uh, that was my thoughts on kiss of Venus, Mark. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on Paul's playing. Uh, he probably could have uh, put an entire acoustic album out of, of just him playing this kind of stuff, and I'd be super happy. Uh, I really dig that he made this feel like a, a stream of consciousness in kind of a way, the way he kind of, uh, that very Guy Pichetti, uh Fugazi, just kind of streaming this. Um, it's easy to imagine this is just coming out of him. Uh, although I didn't like what came out of him, uh, and he, he really didn't need to repeat the last line of each verse, but whatever. You know what? He's Paul McCartney. I'm a fat dude on the internet complaining about something I couldn't possibly do. So thank Ew. you for um, You know, I, my gripes about these songs are so like, oh, you did that? Okay. Um, meanwhile, I couldn't do any of it. Uh, track number nine is Seize the Day. Uh, and on that note, this song is uh, completely forgettable. Uh, it's oddly bleak feeling and feels like someone challenged him to write a song because it doesn't sound like he's willing to write a, this song on his own. Again, uh, he's a Beatle. I'm a fat dude with a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that common theme, right? Carpe diem, seize the day. I mean, listen, like that message is cool, but it's a filler track for me. It doesn't do anything to me emotionally. Uh, in fact, I forgot it Um and I forgot that this was even on the album after a couple of listens. Uh, and I had to look to see uh, what song this was constantly. So it just didn't do it um, for me at all. Uh, track 10, Deep Down. Uh, Paul stated that this song was half an idea um, with its groove and he wasn't sure where it was going. Uh, I think if you look at the simplistic nature of the lyrics, then it makes sense. Uh, I could see this being an, an instrumental for a long time and just him like throwing stuff over it. Um I think it's better than Seize the Day, but it's another one to me that is going to get forgotten. A little soul for you here in that opening track, Frank. A little, little bit of soul in that intro for this track. Um, it's pretty clear he wanted to go with kind of like that modern, funky groove, right? He, he was really into it, and, and the groove and the rhythm here is really what he's selling because um, he gets it right on. But my God, are these lyrics terrible, Frank. Um, he's leaning way too heavy on this rhyme scheme and it just doesn't work to the point where I wasn't even bothered to write the lyrics down. They were so just, uh, 
<laughs> forgettable and like plain. It, it's it's another disappointing track for me, which which sucks because so much of the first half of this record is really good, and then it just right. kind of, it just fizzles for me. With with that said, uh, track number eleven, which is the the closing track, uh, Winter Bird slash When Winter Comes, closer. Um, as we mentioned, he returns to that opening uh, guitar rift uh, on his little classical acoustic guitar. Um, I don't know that it's a classical acoustic guitar. It might just be a regular one. I don't know. Um, you know, um, it tricked me at first. I thought Deep Down was the last track in the, the album and just started over because I was just kind of casually listening and I was like, oh, it's, oh, it's that short. And then I realized, no, this is that. Um, so that said, <laughs> when winter comes, <laughs> has that classic fantasy feel that you expect out of Paul McCartney, that whimsical um, from over the years, but doesn't deliver much in the way of, of substance for me, where he usually does a great job of, of telling a cute story and having a, a nice, meaningful message. I just don't get it. Um, you know, if I think he would have been better served to place this, uh, to place when winter comes without the winter bird intro uh where deep deep down is on the album place that here um but still uh you know i still want him to cut four or five minutes off the end of that if he does it uh but he didn't um you know i could completely do without this song otherwise um, really you know i think if you wanted to end by revisiting that that opening little ditty the the riff whatever whatever we want to call it i think you should have just done that and out yeah, I could have seen that too, because what we get, like you said, is a reprisal of Winter Bird, uh, which I like. And I like when he goes into When Winter Comes. It's actually, this song was written for his album Flaming Pie. Uh, it was going to be a bonus track, but it was never finished. Um, I like the ending of an album that starts with the, like, so if you have a winter theme here going on, like, yeah. I like them to bookend each other. Uh, they, they don't have to be, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be based on, you uh, a certain theme, but again, I do like how they bookend. I think it's a pretty acoustic song that gives you hope and you will find the sun when winter comes. I, I mean, again, that's classic McCartney. Uh, so I actually, I did mind this song as much as <laughs> you did, of course. <laughs> but but now we're at the final thoughts section, Mark. Yeah, you know, uh, I leave this record wondering what it, it means to be Paul himself. There is some really great stuff on this record, and and we can't understate how impressive it is that he played all of it himself, and that, that really shouldn't be overlooked because it, it's fantastic. And like I said, I'm a fat guy with a podcast. I couldn't have done note one of this. Um, you know, l Lord knows I had a hard enough time learning uh, rhythms and trying to remember where changes were for songs, let alone write and compose an entire album. <laughs> uh, with a full spectrum of instruments, play all those instruments myself uh, and record them. So my hat is off uh, to you, Mr. McCartney. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that I, I only barely care for half of this record. Sonically, it's gorgeous and, and would make an interesting background at a party. But I don't, I don't know if I'm buying this record to put it on while nobody's paying attention to it. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing here that makes me want to show this record to somebody. Um, you know, McCartney three, uh, I'm giving this like a, a five or a six, we'll call it a five and a half uh, out of 10 for me. Um, I don't hate it. I, I just can't imagine revisiting it. Honestly. What about yeah, you? It, well, and just to note too, I was in, 
the and I texted you after I got done. I was in the record store last week and I did see it and I was like, oh, and, and initially when I first listened to this album a couple of times, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get the vinyl because of that first half. Because of that first half. And then as you keep going through more listens, you're like, well, I'm gonna only be playing one side of <laughs> the vinyl. <laughs> but listen, I was impressed with this album and I and I really think it's probably though his most solid release since 2005's Chaos and Creation, uh, and his best out of the recent releases that I've mentioned earlier. I, I think it's very admirable and impressive that he's playing all the instruments here and producing at his age. Listen, he's one of the last songwriting treasures. Um, and you know, him and Dylan uh, being the other, in my opinion. Um, I love the tenderness and the sincerity in the acoustic tracks and the rock and roll kind of blues aspect of a more amped up uh, of the more amped up songs. I listen. Yeah, there are some fillers that I don't mind skipping and they I'm not going to remember what those songs are, to be honest with you. I wouldn't say it's my favorite from Paul, but better than expected. And if I had a rated, you know, I would give it like a seven. So that's that's my McCartney three. But you know what, Paul, uh, Paul, you know, what, Mark, yeah, I called Mark Paul. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you know what? Now we're going to get into our top 10, all things Paul McCartney, my friend. Yeah, I, I want to pump the brakes real quick because I just thought about something. Um, you know, we're talking about this, this album did come out last year. It came out right as Frank and I were taking our little two weeks off uh, for the holidays. Um, and it did kind of sneak up on us a, a little bit. Um, we we kind of like, I think like mid-October, we even heard about it. It was kind of weird. Um, right last year we couldn't suck Bob Dylan's dick enough over how good rough and rowdy ways were. Yep. Um, you compared him to Dylan, you know, two of the last great songwriters, arguably for me and Frank, uh, despite how much we disliked his record last year, Springsteen has got to be probably third in that list. If I know you, if not top five. So my question to you, and I'm, I'm fairly sure I know how you're going to answer this. Cause I just prefaced it. Is this better than letters to you. Is this Bruce Springsteen's last record? And why? All right. So that's a really, really good on the spot question. Now, the reason why I, I failed to mention Bruce in there is because there's like a 10 year age difference. So I was just trying to put people that's in. There's a 10 year like, age difference between Bob Dylan and Paul McCartney. Right, they're both yeah. in their 80s, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought there was Yeah, I tried to like go for the like the ones who are in the eighties. Um so is this better than letters to you? I mean, I guess right now it comes down to the question of which one I'm going to listen to more, right? As far as a replay aspect. Um, and I'm not currently listening to letters to you. I haven't revisited it actually at all since the episode. Um I'm going oof, it's hard. Right now I'm gonna probably take and it's probably because it's, new, it's newer in my head, but I'm going to take the McCartney album is better than Letters to You. Uh, what about what about you now, Mark? The exact same answer. It's, okay, it's there you go. <laughs> it's absolutely this record, even though I only want to listen to the first half. Listen, at least that's something of the record I want to listen to. Yeah. Because um, I was thinking, right, I asked you this question. I'm letting you give this answer. And I was in my brain, I'm like, name another song other than Letters to You and Ghosts. And then I realized I couldn't. Yeah, even even the ones he brought out from you know the uh, the early uh, the seventies from the first right. album, uh, I can't even name those right now. Um, House, I remember that one annoying song, House of Guitars. Oh, that kept going and going. Yeah, um, yeah. I do, I actually I don't want to listen to that album. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we're gonna do a top ten list of all things Paul McCartney. Uh, yeah, we got two def 
different 10 lists here, but we're going to alternate. And, and Mark, I think you should go first. Oh, I would love to, buddy. Thank you. Uh, at number 10, I have lent Frank this DVD. It is uh, Paul McCartney Music and Animation. This is um, actually something I discovered because my mom had it. Um, so I lent Frank my mom's DVD. She would like it back. Um, and it's simply a compilation of all Paul's works that at some point or another had been animated. Uh, and then they they just stuck it together on one like 90 minute DVD. And it's cute as fuck. You should totally go see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Did I throw you off with that description? A little bit. A little bit. Thank you, man. <laughs> so number 10, uh, say, 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 not the song that he did with Michael Jackson, but the whole situation where he gave uh, advice to Michael Jackson about how he should get into song publishing rights. Uh, Jackson jokingly tells McCartney that he was going to buy his songs, meaning the Beatles songs. And he actually did. Uh, the reason why this makes my list is because Paul was, and still is a complete gentleman about it. Uh, and he never bashes him outside of the fact that he says it soured their relationship. He could have said a lot of worse things over the years, but uh, he, he hasn't. So mad props to Paul on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you would think he's got every right and reason to be totally and Michael Jackson, but you know, good on him, you know. Um, so for me, number nine is Band on the Run. Band on the Run. That's, that's right. Wings was the perfect 70s contemporary rock and roll, and and nothing sums that up better than this song and this album. It's it, it's to me, it's the best of wings, and it's it's just fucking good Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. It's classic, man. Classic. Can't go yeah. wrong with that song. Thank you. Uh, number nine for my yeah. top ten all things Paul is the bass. So when Paul first joined the Beatles, he was a guitarist. Uh, Stuart Sutcliffe was the original bass player, and when he was no longer in the Beatles, they needed a bass player, and Paul stepped right in to fill the role, and there you go. Uh, cemented his his place as a bass player. Uh, pretty cool, if you ask me. Yeah. So uh, my number eight, um, <laughs> Paul McCartney was jailed in the year. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a funny way to say 1960 in the, the year of our Lord, 1960. <laughs> um, excuse me. So he was jailed uh, in 1960 after lighting a condom on fire, Frank. Mm, 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 right. So imagine it. You're in. 1960s Hamburg, Germany. Okay. Uh, and the Beatles are playing, but the locals, for whatever reason, hate them. It's too loud. You know, what is this Dern rock and roll music? And uh, they force the band to leave the country, right? Ooh. So Paul and bandmate Pete Bess uh, were, were packing up in, the, in, a, in a dark room and somebody lit a condom on fire for some light. Uh, Accused of uh, trying to set the building on fire, they were arrested by the police and spent a few hours in jail before being ushered back to the United Kingdom. I like to add that when I researched that fact, um, I, I said I'm not going to add it to my list as it will sound so much better with Mark reading it, and it did. So, yeah. Thank you. Condoms lit on fire, man. That, that There you go. My number eight is Yesterday. Uh, the concept of the song more than the actual song, which I do love. Uh, however, the Beatles, I mean, they were white hot. And when you saw them, it was a group effort and performance. Paul writes the solo tune and performs it by himself with the spotlight on him and only him. Talk about pressure, man. So uh, it, that that whole kind of concept of the song Yesterday, to me, makes my list. 
Yeah, great choice. Beautiful song. Um, so my number seven is something I wrote down called Not Firing Ringo. <laughs> Look, he was a good dude to Michael Jackson. And despite all this funny business, um, he's a good dude to Ringo. You know, Ringo wasn't the best drummer in the Beatles. In fact, um, the fact of the matter is, is uh, he was probably the worst. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, if it weren't for Paul putting up with his antics, we, we wouldn't be have the comedy gold that is Ringo Starr in his octopus garden. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. All right. Uh, number seven is just Costello. So in the late 80s, McCartney teamed up with one of our favorites, Mark. You know, Elvis Costello on the album Flowers in the Dirt. Paul would go on to say that it was the first time since Lennon that he found a songwriting partner. How beautiful that he found that in Elvis Costello, my man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, at number six for me is the track Blackbird. It is credited as a, a collaboration with Mr. John Lennon, uh, but it, it's a masterpiece. Uh, their work together uh, changed the world as we know, and we owe them both a debt. Um, it's just a beautiful song, beautiful. a tapestry of beautiful songs. So, yeah, absolutely. And you know, mm -hmm. the, the way he played it has been duplicated in so many other types of songs. Um, that that song uh, is just it's incredible. Um, the next thing i have about paul is just it's titled later beatles uh the beatles to me were two bands and in the later beatles uh paul's output and workaholic mentality was really what what was driving force behind keeping things going maybe it was an intensity that was too much but it worked and his contributions along with with lennon uh, and the later beatles um were absolutely special so uh, that whole kind of workaholic uh, mentality that led to the output of all of all of them too so yeah. Um, so for me, number five, um, listen, he's a goddamn pod person. That's right. He's a, he's what? a no, he's not. However, there was an urban legend back in 1966 that Paul died in a car accident and was replaced with an imposter. <laughs> but if this dude from 66 on has been pretending to be Paul McCartney, then he's doing the best job faking since Groucho Marx came in third place at a Groucho Marx lookalike contest, which actually did happen, um, unlike the fake Paul McCartney. Um, I just think it's cool that that's even a rumor, like that, that that's somebody else, and he's been faking it for the last 60 years. There's a whole world on that. Like, it really is, and all these little innuendos and clues <laughs> and a lot that resides in the Sgt. Pepper cover and... Just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Number five for me is Beach Boy Love. Paul loves the Beach Boys, and uh, his favorite, uh, one of his favorite songs is God Only Knows. Uh, his liking to the Beach Boys influenced the harmonies heard in Rubber Soul, which then influenced the Beach Boys for Bad Sounds, which then eventually inspired the Beatles to make their way to Sgt. Pepper. So uh, it was constant nods to each other, uh, and, and Paul was a big proponent of that. So uh, that was my number five. We like to think that guilty as charged is all hard days night. <laughs> anyway, um, so for me, number four, uh, charity work. Paul, yeah. um, is, you know, amongst being one of the richest men in the world, uh, is super charitable. Uh, you know, he's known for his work with PETA and, and breast cancer uh, and, and cancer studies, as well as uh, playing a really pivotal role uh, in the 9-11 concert yeah. uh, for the first responders. In fact, Paul's 9-11 charity work convinced the NYPD to make him an honorary detective, Frank. 
almost makes you want to become one of those world-famous New York City criminals I've read so much about just to get Paul to cuff me. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, number four is the track Helter Skelter. I mean, Ooh, this song, it's yeah. a beast. It's a beast. Paul was always known as the softer one compared to Lennon, but there's a lot that overlaps with them as well. Uh, Helter Skelter is hard rock before it was in the mainstream. It's loud, chaotic, aggressive, catchy. In their anthology three, uh, there's a toned down version that's a little longer and more groovier. Uh, equally good stuff, but the song Helter Skelter is number four for me. Song rules. And it inspired Charles Manson, so what's wrong with that? Yeah, right, yeah, of course. Uh, number three for me, much like Charles Manson, getting high before meeting the Queen of England at Buckingham Palace. Oh. So, uh, Frank knows, you guys don't follow me in Frank's personal text messages, but you're welcome to. Um, I just finished watching The Crown, and I can't believe it that they, they skipped the most important day of Queen Elizabeth II's monarchy. The day she met the Beatles and they were nervous, so they got stoned in the bathroom before meeting her. There you go. That's got to be an amazing story. I, the fact that it did make the crown, I mean, that. <sighs> What's that show even about? <laughs> oh, man. Number three uh, for me is the song Here, There, and Everywhere. Yes, the song from Revolver. It's my wedding song, and that's why I made the list. That's all I'm going to say. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. It was a lovely ceremony. Frank Thank put you. me at a table with a ton of hot chicks. And an ex-girlfriend who hates me now. Um, <laughs> Did, I really at did. number two, uh, we have uh, 2003's live album back in the USA. Ooh. Check it out. Paul puts on a hell of a show. I think it's something like 35 track. Clocks in just under two hours. Um, I recommend watching the DVD. Um, or I'm sure you know it's got to be streaming somewhere. Look, it's a night with a legend. He puts on a great show. The drummer looks like my brother. Um, it's a blast. It, it's just a great show. He plays all the songs you want him to play. He plays some stuff you didn't know you wanted him to play, but you totally do. It, it's a great concert. The album's available uh, streaming as well, but it's just just a great concert. Yeah, absolutely. And the album's great too. Everything about that is is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, number two is two of us. Now, not the song, but I always thought of this song kind of, which was about Paul and John's relationship. Sure, it was complicated, but at the end of the day, they were best friends and they loved each other. I know the song is more about him and Linda, but being that's on the last technical Beatles album, it kicks things off. It's really just him and John singing it. I always viewed that as an ode to their relationship. So two of us, that's number two. Beautiful choice, beautiful choice. My my number one, my, my favorite Paul McCartney thing, um, one of the reasons I'm happy this man was born alone. Live and let die. Fucking oh, so cool. good. So good. <laughs> it's hard not to turn this into pointing out all the amazing songs that Paul did with the Beatles. Um, for me, I I'm ending on this one because it's one of my all time favorite songs, period. Live and let die uh, is on that live album. I just mentioned oh, uh, so earlier good. and holy shit. Does it deliver? The song just rips. It's so cool. I mean, Look, it's a James Bond theme, it, like, and it's the best James Bond theme ever. The song's totally cool. Like, it's just such a great song, and like, such big. You like big the Guns N' Roses version better. Jump off a bridge. <laughs> oh, man, amazing! All right, so number one for me is Linda, Paul's first wife, who sadly passed away in 1998. Paul loved and adored her. And she was everything to him, that kind of love and devotion that he had for her and the family, truly inspirational and idol worthy. 
So number one, my favorite all things Paul is the way he had that relationship with Linda. So that rounds off my list. I like that you took a song about Linda, made it about John, and then made her the number one thing. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> it's a great list, buddy. Why don't you tell our amazing listeners uh, what we have in store for them next week on Check Out This Record? Yeah. Four words, Mark. Blood, sugar, sex, ooh, magic. That's sex right. Magic with a K. With K, yes, yes. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That album turns 30 this man, uh, this year, man, and we're getting old. So 30, 30 big ones. 30 years ago, this album came out, mm-hmm. and it was everywhere. I mean, Give It Away, Under the Bridge, Suck My Kiss, Break the Girl. We're going to see if this album still holds up. Mark, how does that sound to you? Holy moly, that sounds radical. <laughs> uh, why don't we end the show with a little uh, word association, Frank? Let's, let's do it, man. I'm ready. I'll say a name or a phrase or a person or a place, and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Sure. The Beatles. Well, the Stones. Rock and roll. Check out this record. You two sucks. Oh, yes, they do. Hello. Ciao. Bye-bye.